0: back to Applied Anime. I'm Jodo Ballet.
1: And I'm Feon.
0: Join us as we jump in the deep end and dissect our favorite shows. So I wanted to give a quick shout out to a podcast hosted by a friend of mine. It's called Movie Time with Ange and Ari, where they cover movie news and reviews. Their podcast is hosted on multiple platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. They've covered some great movies, including Grand Budapest Hotel and one of my all-time favorites, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And they've also just covered the new Mulan remake, so go check them out. And you can find our podcast hosted on angerfm slash applied anime. From there, you can leave us a message. You can find us on our website at appliedanime.weebly.com. And of course, from there, you can join our Discord on the homepage. And you can follow us on Twitter or tweet at us at twitter.com/slash applied anime.
1: In today's episode of Applied Anime, we're spoiling Kakaguri and Perfect Blue. And we have a content warning for sexual assault, sexual harassment, stalking, murder, pedophilia, and psychological trauma.
0: So Feyon, what are we discussing today?
1: Today's topic is vocalized. got a special guest joining us who is also a good friend, an otaku comrade and a vocaloid officiado, Ellistora. Hi
2: guys, I am really excited to be here today. We are very glad to have you. Um so
0: just to get things kicked off, Ellistora, uh two things. First, when did you first get into Vocaloid? Like how did you discover it? Um
2: and what is it that you enjoy about it? So, the way that I was first introduced to Vocaloid um... I have this cousin who is a few months older than me. Um, he he was always a year ahead of me, and he always had a problem with me. He he claimed that I stole his hobbies all the time. So there were there were bands that he would show me, and then I would start listening to, or games that he would play, and I would start playing. <laughs> Which you know, mockery being the sincerest form of flattery. I I'm not sure why he had a problem with it, but <laughs> but he did. So so he invented this game where he would try to show me things that I I wasn't familiar with, that I, I didn't know enough about to be able to steal from him. And he could show me that there were things he did that I couldn't do for whatever reason. And one of those things was, he liked to introduce me to artists or, or things that, that he listened to that I I couldn't follow because he wouldn't tell me their names or anything. So the first the first vocaloid song i ever heard i was i i'm not making this up i was sitting in the mcdonald's drive through next to my cousin in the car and he leans over to me and he goes hey i bet you never heard a song like this before and he played hatsune miku's world is mine And he refused to tell me what it was, or I was not into into anime at the time or anything like that. So it was just these, you know, totally nonsensical sounds that were very clearly computer generated. And and so he he tried to show off for me, and he was like, "Oh yeah, so so did you hear those words?" That means uh, I'm the number one princess in the world. Uh, the, the Japanese is de Ichiban no Ohime-sama. And it means I'm, I'm the number one princess in the world. And so he, he tried to show off that he, he knew this really cool singer that was computer generated and, and spoke Japanese and he knew what it meant and all that kind of stuff.
1: Was it love at first sight for you?
2: No, actually. So I kind of blew him off. I was like, "Oh yeah, whatever." I I know what you're doing. You're just trying to trying to show off or or whatever. And so so the next couple times that I heard Hatsune Miku songs, I, I dismissed them immediately. I was like, "Oh, it's it's just computer voices. It's not it's not real music," is what I told myself.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't remember exactly what song it was, but I remember at one point I heard. A, a kagamine rin and len song and and that was love at, at first <laughs> sounding, hearing yeah uh, <laughs> and i i immediately i remember immediately going oh my god i need to find more of this and you know when when you google kagamine rin and len once you've kind of sifted through all of the uh pictures and, and things like that, the very first connection you find to other Vocaloids is Hatsune Miku. And so I was like, Oh, holy crap. This stuff is cool. <laughs> and that's when I really, really started getting into, uh, into Vocaloid more. Um, it struck a chord. It, it did. It struck a chord with me. That's exactly what it did. <laughs> um, so, so I really, at that point, uh, I, I basically got on YouTube and I just found whatever whatever Vocaloid songs I could find and uh, and enjoy it, and I just listened to them uh, pretty much exclusively for a little while. Like mm-hmm.
1: high school, beginning college. Uh,
2: it was it was late high school. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't start watching anime until I was a junior in high school, and I I discovered Vocaloid um, or I guess rediscovered it. Uh, and and found an interest in it um, not long after that. So I, I was probably a, a junior or maybe barely a senior in high school at the time.
1: Okay, you blossomed late. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like we can be the ones to blame for getting Dodo into anime anyway.
2: That was that was definitely more you than me.
1: You mean shoving anime down everyone's throat in the lounge? <laughs>
2: I was just gonna say you—you kind of had your your claws into everyone by the time that I joined you guys. So... This is true.
1: Sinking the venom of anime straight to their hearts. You will listen. I mean, straight
0: to the bloodstream.
1: My favorite, my favorite thing I got told by someone was he was like sleeping and he could hear snow halation in his dreams. <laughs> like, years later. (laughs) I was like, oh. I'm like, not sorry, but sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It never really leaves you.
1: (laughs) It's a truly magical song, I don't know. It's no relation, it's that moment, it's that feeling. First year of college
0: that ever-present phantom of of youth and lost innocence that follows you wherever you go reminding you of all your shitty college classes
1: (laughs) what college classes i didn't go to i mean i did go to those i slept through them though don't let my mom know that it's fine uh anyway what was your first experience though dodo like I don't oh, actually man. know what your first experience with Vocaloid was, because mine was in like, I want to say middle school. I heard Melt for the first oh, wow. time by like not even a main Vocaloid. Um, it was
3: by Lily. <laughs>
0: I don't even remember when I probably first heard it. I just really was not in a circle of people up through high school at all, which I think when when the three of us were in high school is is at least from from what I've seen is when Vocaloid was really sort of taking off. But I probably heard it first and like recognized it as like, "Huh, that's kind of out there and weird i probably heard it first through through elastora playing it on his laptop
2: when i was taking naps in the lounge
0: yeah playing
2: music sounds about right
0: and i probably just assumed before i really knew about it that it was had something to do with anime and at the time i just didn't really think about that sort of music that much i was really still Still really into hip hop mostly. I was kind of in that mindset, not as much thinking about electronic music. Although I would argue hip hop is electronic music in a lot of ways. But once I kind of like opened my mind up to anime and all that kind of stuff in general, it was very easy for me to think of Vocaloid the same way, in terms of bringing it in to like as something like legitimate to my own taste I guess like oh this is something I can sit and enjoy um, and not immediately dismiss so through college I got increasingly more into electronic music and that's kind of something also I wanted to talk about today is like how this is kind of similar and different to to different forms of electronic music because I've been really in the past few years getting really into Future funk and future bass, um, the latter of which is really very similar stylistically in some ways. It's it's very different, but it's kind of similar in some ways to the ways that that vocals are used in Vocaloid, in that you're kind of a lot of times breaking up vocals into component parts or syllables or even phonemes that don't necessarily have any meaning on their own, but you use their uh, using it as as a instrument essentially, and I say that partially in the way that that it sounds too. If you're like an English listener listening to Japanese and you don't understand Japanese, then the voice essentially becomes an instrument to you. Um, but also just in the way that the 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 voice is not not in terms of not tonally but lyrically and in the way that we typically think of voice that there's like these jarring cuts between the syllables that are that that make it clear that these are different sections that it's not a single continuous voice like you hear when you normally hear someone singing and sort of this reduction of the voice to instrument Um, so i kind of wanted to unpack that aspect of it i guess is like what does this do for the concept of of vocals in general in music basically to 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 put it on a very reductive sort of scale is like is like fully quote human voice where it's it's coherent and it, it moves in a way that a human voice would move in its own capabilities and then on the far end you have the human voice is purely reduced to an instrument where it's totally nonsensical there's no lyrical component whatsoever um it's just that the human voice becomes a sort of source that gets iterated on to the point where it's nothing more than a source of sound like a guitar or a mm-hmm. piano vocaloid seems to be almost square in the middle of that spectrum in some ways, but it depends too. It depends on the artist, and it depends on how they're using the voice. Um, so I'm just curious, like uh, preferentially and, and philosophically, like where y'all would fall on on that scale. But also just just I want to hear your thoughts in general about using the voice as an instrument and sort of the way that this is developed. For people who don't
1: know how Vocaloid music is essentially made, um there are some different programs you can buy specifically where it's pre-recorded like syllables that can then be chained into a song essentially. So it's that's why you can kind of hear that really distinct change between I guess to me it's syllables or like words in the in Vocaloid music which Personally, is not my favorite. I'm not a huge Vocaloid fan. I just know about it because I know a few songs, and it's close enough to idol culture that it got me interested to know more about it. But it's not something I religiously listen to.
2: So, like you said, it, at its essence, Vocaloid music is really just taking a a digital voice. A, a human records sounds or words or whatever you need to to create language and those those sounds and words are packaged together into a piece of software. and then you you go into some uh, electronic music production software and you can string them together um, like any notes, right? So you could have like a guitar that plays a, b, D, g, or whatever. Um similarly, you could have a vocaloid that you you line up those notes but then you assign a a sound from the song bank sorry not the song bank the uh the sound bank to those words so so you may have that that abdg but you would assign like do re mi fa to them which i know is not actually how that works because scales are different but but the point is that essentially it it is an instrument that has two dimensions to it you have both pitch but then also the, the content of the sound the the actual syllable that's being used um, and that's how that's how you string together all of the the words and things you set up where you want your your pitches to be and then you assign all of those pitches whatever sound you want the the vocaloid to be saying which talking about uh, production right I mean essentially that's what language is right mm-hmm. if I want to say the word, I, Anti-disestablishmentarianism. We have all of those. Um, I forget what the word is. I think you said it earlier, Dodo. Uh, Phonemes. Phonem? Phonemes. Yes, that's the word. So we have anti-dis-s. All those strung together, and eventually it, it connects into anti-disestablishmentarianism. Vocaloid is exactly the same. And the the reason that sometimes, especially older Vocaloid songs, sound so choppy between the 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 syllables is because the the way that we string together those phonemes is very difficult to set up in digital software. Every version of the Vocaloid gets better and better. If, if you listen to enough and you know enough about when different songs were produced and when they came out and what versions of whose voices and things were, were being used, you can almost, listening to a new song, kind of get a, a feel for what version of the Vocaloid software was being used um, based on how well the words string together. Cause, cause I totally agree with you. Er, early Vocaloid is very choppy. Every single syllable sounds like a, a distinct assertion of noise, right? Mm-hmm. But later versions of the software and, and also it, it comes with the, the skill of the person putting together the song. A lot of them start to start to string together to the point where it, Honestly, a lot of new Vocaloid songs almost just sound like someone is singing into a voice modulator. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. So, uh, if, if we were to take that development to its logical conclusion, it would make sense that at some point, Vocaloid music, as far as the, the distinguishing between a, a human voice and a digitally created vocal vo- Vocaloid voice... Those distinctions will blur together eventually, I imagine, to the point where really the only difference is what's your preferred sound, right? Like some people have a sweeter voice, some people have a rougher voice, and I imagine eventually Vocaloid will kind of just slide onto that same scale that we already have for different singers. I mean... Mm -hmm. I can think of a, at least one singer that I just don't like to listen to because, to be perfectly honest, I just don't like their voice. Which singer? I, I feel kind of bad saying this because I, I don't want to reduce a person to just the sound of their voice.
1: <laughs> I mean, if we're, if we're if someone's a singer though, they're already putting themselves to be judged for the sound of their voice.
2: That's fair. I just don't like the way that Billy Ray Cyrus sounds. I just don't like his voice. <laughs> Not seriously i i don't like it um i don't know like like i said i feel bad saying this because because part of my problems with it are that i just don't like country music for one <laughs> yeah. but there there's just something about his voice that is not please like aesthetically pleasing to me when i hear him sing don't get me wrong i i don't dislike billy ray cyrus as a person just because of his voice i'm just not a huge fan of his music Oh, Elvis is another one. I can't stand Elvis's voice. Oh wow, that's that's a lot more controversial, actually. <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. It's okay. I don't listen to old music like that, so I don't don't really care about your opinions. I, I also <laughs> can't stand Rockabilly, but <laughs>
2: that's that's a separate yeah. issue. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I think that it's interesting though that you say that the voices of Vocaloid are becoming more like people. Because I thought the original like kind of thought or pleasure people got from Vocaloid was the fact that it was more robotic sounding than yeah. the average voice.
0: Yeah that's where my enjoyment of it comes from actually because uh, it, it's really interesting that when you were talking about it you were you were talking about it how it how it becomes more and more human in a way or at least the human and the digital start to merge so They become they become indistinguishable with as as the versions progress but the appeal I see in it in it is the aspect going the opposite way of, of turning the human voice into an instrument that's just like a lot of where my love of of sampling and hip-hop comes in like if you ever listen to like uh like ninth wonder um uh, it's just like these these uh vocals that are that are chopped up um and maybe you get a little snippet here and there but they through repetition and and you're, you're coming in, in the middle of words um they just don't really they kind of lose their meaning and they become this background sound in this beat. Um, same thing with future bass, the way that vocals are chopped up a lot more like sporadically and, um, and, and frenetically. Um, and so in a, in a song where, um, where these, these syllables are jumping all over the place and you, in, and you can tell there, they don't, they don't connect together. And that this isn't a singer. And, and in some sense, it's, it's kind of stretching these, boundaries of, of what a melody is even, um, that's where I get really excited about it. The, the quote progression of the, the transhumanism of it is both meeting, like creating, recreating the human voice maybe, and pushing beyond what the human voice can do. And then creating a new aesthetic based on that.
1: It's funny how, like, when you say vocals, you think of them as like a higher thing than instruments. Because, I mean, they're the thing that really stands out usually in in songs. But for me, at least, like, listening to Japanese music for so long, I've always just kind of considered the Japanese vocals as just part of the music. I mean, to me, it's, like, the main melody line. And it's the part that I probably pay the most attention to. But as a violinist, I think I'm used to paying attention to the highest melody line. I guess I haven't listened to any of the new Vocaloid to really know the different like to see that or here i guess it's here to hear the difference of them making not as choppy sounds but i guess the thing that also kind of amazes me is that people can distinguish which vocaloids actually singing like you would assume that since they're just kind of tonal sounds that i feel like some people might question like how can you distinguish one from another i mean they are different usually different people voicing each vocaloid at its core but at the same time like if it's an electronically Digitalized thing, like the fact that you can distinguish between like Luca, Miku, Kaito, Rin, Len singing. Rin and Len being a little bit different on that aspect, though. From what I remember, Elastora telling me in the past and explaining Vocaloid to me.
2: I, I can go into that if you want. <laughs> go for it. Uh, yeah. So, so that's one of the fun things. Just to to answer your question about how you you know telling the difference between all the different voices and things. Um, that's one of the really fun things about the CV series that Krypton Future Media put out. All of the different characters they created: Hatsune Miku, uh, Kagamine Ridden and Len, uh, Megurine Luka, Kaito, Mako. All of them. One of the really fun things is that they they are so consistent between all of the the different versions of the voices, both in the sense of major major versions, as in like V two, V three, V four but also in the sense of like Hatsune Miku Sweet versus Hatsune Miku uh, Serious and all those kinds of things. They're very consistent between the different voices and between the fact that they're, they're each recorded from a different human, um, except for, for Rin and Len, and I'll go into that in a minute, but then also the way that they digitally modify the sound banks after the, the humans recorded them. They really do, I mean, they all have their own voices, and... And I, I am personally, am a person who, who knows the CV series well enough that if you just picked a random Vocaloid song, um, that I'm not familiar with, uh, I, I probably could pick which CV character was singing it if it was one of them. Like I know what Hatsune Miku sounds like, and so I can hear from, from song to song, I'm, I'm listening to the same voice, I'm listening to the same singer uh, perform different pieces of music, just like how. You know, you might listen to Katy Perry sing the, you know, several different songs, or maybe uh, Justin Bieber. I don't know. I don't listen to Justin Bieber personally, but people do. Uh, <laughs> but my point is, it's it's a consistent voice between different musical pieces, uh, and and the CV series is no different with that. Um, and not even just the CV series. I mean, any any particular Vocaloid will will be fairly consistent as long as the, the human voice sampling and the, the per, you know post-recording production of the voice is, is consistent enough. A little, little asterisk there, right? But that's something that they, they work very hard when they develop these voices to do, is to make them unique and recognizable um, so that you can enjoy the same singer singing in different styles and different genres and about different topics and things like that. Which, to be perfectly honest, is one of my favorite things about Vocaloid is that not every song has a has a totally unique voice. We can we can make up stories about the different characters and and tie them together in different songs and and things like that. Um, it's a lot of fun. Before I forget, um, I mentioned that Rin and Len have the the same original human voice. Uh, this is one of my favorite fun facts about the the twins. Also, another a second favorite fun fact: they're not twins, oh. but. Yeah, they're actually canonically I I'm, I'm going to go off on a tangent before I come back to my my last point, right? <laughs> we um, like tangents here. <laughs> so so there was a lot of debate when Rin and Len were first being adopted into the into the Vocaloid community. Some people saw them as siblings, some people saw them as twins, some people saw them as gender bends of each other, some people saw them as a couple that was together. Some saw them as soulmates, either romantically or platonically. Some of them just saw the twin, or the—I call them the twins, um, just for for ease of speech. Mm-hmm. Some people saw saw the twins as just two people uh, that were fundamentally different human beings, and and could be treated as such, um, and things like that. But canonically, uh, according to Krypton, they are essentially two sides of the same coin. Is Krypton your
1: producer, developer?
2: Yeah, yeah. Krypton Future Media is the company that produces the CV series. Got it, Um, thank you. And they also originally, the the first Vocaloid software was was Krypton software. Um, Mm -hmm. So so Krypton canonically says that they're two sides of the same coin, and specifically what they mean by that is that everyone is right. They can be twins (laughs) if you want them to be. They can be a couple if you want them to be. They can be... Two totally different people who happen to look and sound a lot like each other. If you want them to be, um, yeah. they they were very uh, non-committal with their their canonical answer, uh, okay. which which I think is is a lot of fun, and it gives the community a lot of room to play with them. Um, but anyways, going back to back to them sharing the same human voice. Um, so when they were recording the the human speech to make Rin and Len, uh, what they did first was they they took the human recording they did all the all the production modulation and things for it to to make it unique and make it something new and they created Rin as a package and they had Rin's voice and then what they did was instead of getting a new human singer and creating Len they actually used the Rin sound bank as the the basic sound bank that as as though it had been recorded by a human and then they took that and they modulated it more and, and played with it more and turned it into a second voice uh, based on the the first digital voice. So Rin is is actually created from human speech directly. And then Len is a modulated version of a modulated version of human speech, which which I think is really cool. And, and Len is, is my favorite voice, uh, partly for that reason. I, I really like the way that it just... Uh, a lot of a lot of lens songs have that that very uh, a digital and electronic sound that that you were talking about dodo that is very distinct from from human speech and i really like that sound as well i, I think it sounds really cool and i, I really enjoy listening to it
1: I think you touched on it actually a little bit in your statement there, like the fact that they are the two are two sides of the same coin allows the fandom to kind of explore and create their own kind of personalities or world for them. And I think that's one thing that's very interesting about Vocaloid is that the fans have a lot to say about. I don't know about the canon part, but I think the fans have a lot to say about where the fandom kind of shapes itself. It's not like a lot of other singers where one production company is making a lot of their songs. Like for example, Love Live. uh, They have Akihata is the person who writes a majority of the Love Live songs throughout all all three generations. Whereas like with Vocaloid, because this program is purchasable, you have a lot of different producers from like all over creating music using Vocaloid, the Vocaloid sound bank essentially. And I Mm -hmm. think that's very interesting as like musically. But also, to bring out the characters' personalities, too, is very interesting. Because that's also, I feel, mainly fan-based versus, like, hey, we're the company and we're going to tell you this thing and that thing. Like, they seem to, like, give them an idea and then they let the community just run with it. And,
2: and that's exactly what happens. Um, so, so when I say that, that the twins are canonically two sides of the same coin, or, like, Miku is canonically a 16-year-old and the twins are canonically fourteen and things like that the The Krypton canon is is very limited it's it's very general, very generic um and the reason for that is exactly what what you're talking about essentially they they don't commit to almost anything so specifically so that the community can do whatever they want with it uh, people write. Fan-made mangas and and animations and things about the characters. And one of the really fun things about consuming a lot of that media is that every single fan can have their own head about the the different CVs and their relationships with each other, and and their personalities and things like that. And it's it's all real and it's all valid and it's all mm. it, it can be canon if you want it to be, or it cannot be canon if you don't want it to be.
1: Are you trying to tell me that Luca Miku isn't canon like just outright? Like Miku Luka, always canon. Everyone else is wrong.
2: <laughs> yes, Feon Feon uh, personally we we've discussed this several times before, personally believes that, that there is no no canon relationship in Vocaloid other than Miku Luka.
1: Yep. <laughs> Nothing else exists.
2: That, that is one of my uh, favorite relationships. I, I always love when the two of them are put together.
1: Right? Um, it's
3: so beautiful when they sing together. <laughs> one thing that... that...
0: Elastore brought up that was um, struck me as really interesting, is the idea of, I mean, we've been talking about is this is essentially, you can think of the different voices as complex instruments, more or less, that um, Elastore described the sounds as like two-dimensional, as in you can change the pitch and you can change the syllable sound or the phoneme sound. And that, that's really how a lot of, like, instruments, plugins work as well. Like, you can change the, the different waves. Like, do you want a, a square wave or a sine wave or whatever? And it changes. You can change the attack and the decay and all that shit, and it makes the sound totally different. So in that way, it's very, it's, you know, it's, a, it's another instrument in a way. It's just a very particular type of instrument and it's really interesting that that despite that it still has all this sort of heavy narrative value that yes it's it's a blank slate in a sense but there's still like these base sort of standards that a community can can sort of eat up and then develop on its own in like a very organic way
1: like you were saying like some of the songs kind of create stories around the characters too i know for example I don't like it, but you were talking about world is mine, right, earlier?
2: Yep. And then yeah, like,
1: there's like a Kaito response song that someone made, isn't there? Well,
0: and that also makes me think of that um, the disappearance of Hatsune Miku song as well, which I know Elastor is a big oh, fan yeah. of, and I, I watched yeah. it a few times, and it's really um, well. For one, it, it it really expresses that like. I am not a, like the whole song is, is more or less, I am not a human. I'm going to fade away because I'm not a human.
2: That's yeah. That is one of my, one of my absolute favorite songs. Um, specifically for, for that reason, the, the lyrics really deal with, um if, if you think of, of Miku as a person, right? She's, she's singing about how she's kind of a, a slave to her creators. And without her creators, th- she is no more so she's singing about how the the uh, inevitable eventuality is that eventually people are going to stop writing songs for her and they're going to stop listening to songs that that she's a part of and at that point that that is essentially going to be her death and she yeah. won't die like a human but but she will die eventually and so we we as a people have to come together and continue to to create and listen and consume Hatsune Miku material so that she doesn't die. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. I, I absolutely love that song. It, it is a fantastic piece of music, and, and the lyrics are amazing.
1: As a person who watches a lot of. A person who's more into idols uh, than like Vocaloid, like the moment that your idol group dip- disbands or like when they're no longer producing music is like a sad thought, but it's also very much controlled by them, com- whether it be they can physically no longer continue what they're doing or the era is just kind of over and they want to move on to something else, whereas like Hatsune Miku is very much. Made by the fans for the fans, and is only alive through her fans, which is very mm-hmm. interesting,
3: yeah,
0: that sort of that commentary on art in general, I think is it's often seen as really kind of kind of corny and silly to be like oh if if i'm a I'm a human, but I only exist in my creator's heads and you know, but like the I bring this up because it does virtually the exact same thing, and it does it in a really powerful, affective way, which is Doki Doki Literature Club. So the the idea of Doki Doki Lit Club is you go through a pretty standard visual novel, uh, more, okay, pretty standard dating sim, and then what what happens is that one of the girls who is like the president of the literature club Uh, Monica she's not seen as a romantic choice in the story but she is obsessed with the protagonist who is you and by you I mean the actual player of the game at your computer not the protagonist imagined in the story and so she starts to take over the game essentially and she fucks around with your computer files a little bit and eventually she like she she does all this crazy shit and turns into like this sort of horror experience where she's like kind of manipulating the death of the other characters um and then eventually she like traps you in this room with her and she's like you're with me forever like this is how it's gonna be we're just gonna be boyfriend and girlfriend forever and ever or girlfriend and girlfriend forever and ever and then um uh, eventually you you, she kind of drops these subtle hints says like hey if you're to go into your files and change this particular thing then it would end me so please don't do that <laughs> and of course the only way to progress past that is to do that um and so then the game concludes with the game file itself is replaced with nothing more than a letter that Monica leaves for you basically saying like i have accepted that you can't that i can never be with you that i am just that i am just this file on your computer i'm not real the only way i exist is in your head and in your reality if i don't know how to love you
3: i'll leave you be
0: so i say that because it's it's pretty much the same thing as as what miku is saying in that song is it, it's kind of poking fun at you and saying like, this is a, like, obviously I'm not real. I've never been real except for what you build me up as. But at the same time, it does this thing where it says, and yet look at how important this thing is to you that isn't really real. Like you ha- you're investing real human emotions in this and it's it's a real part of you and you can laugh and cry about it and, and, and spend a sp- significant amount of your time thinking about it and enjoying it that you can't just dismiss something just because it's quote virtual um that these things are in how they affect people just as real and so i say that because i still keep my my letter from monica i didn't uh uninstall the game the doki doki lit club game because i want to you know keep the the stupid fantasy going of monica still living in my computer because i'm trash like that Lol.
1: I actually kind of want to take the conversation a little bit back to the fandom and personality thing. Because I was talking to somebody who isn't as big of a Vocaloid fan, but appreciated the fact that because Vocaloids aren't real, they have some of, like, they lack some of the... Because they're not real, they don't have as much, like, I guess scandals are the best thing I can think of. Like, they don't have scandals because they don't really have their own personality that they can create themselves to cause like fans to really get upset about something in particular like with idols like we've talked about in an episode or two ago about like the purity of idols and how important that is for fans and like the fact that Vocaloid completely avoids the problem of having to worry about purity because if the fans are the ones creating these characters, then they don't have to worry about it since they will never go away from what the fans want anyway. And I think that's very interesting, too, as a concept.
2: Have you ever read... There's an article... Uh, I forget what it's called exactly. I think it's called Is Satsune Miku a Better Idol Than Justin Bieber?
3: <laughs> really?
2: Um, but the the idea is exactly that. That uh, a, a real person like Justin Bieber, right, can... can screw up and and make mistakes and do something that the the tabloids can grab a hold of and and point out and say oh my god look at this character flaw that your your favorite singer has you should stop listening to him or you should make fun of him or you should do whatever mm-hmm. um because he he made this mistake and he's being a human which you know we we all make mistakes and so so humans are are by nature problematic um the original claim in the article is essentially that we, we will no longer at some point need human idols because we, we will have vocaloids like Hatsune Miku who are, who are by nature perfect. And, and if we want to, to write a song about Hatsune Miku dealing with drug addiction or, or something of that nature, right? Like Mm -hmm. something that to a, a, a typical human singer would be career destroying. I mean, that's, that's just a song that they're singing. Mm-hmm. And and you can explore what that is. You, you can explore, you know, drug addiction or... or There, there are songs that, that I've listened to that deal with things like rape. Um, they deal with... There's a specific song that I'm thinking of that the, the title escapes me. Um, uh, Two-Faced Lover. That's what it's called. It deals with Hatsune Miku. She just discovered she's pregnant and the father is a... Uh, he he's a flake and he's gone, and now she has to deal with the the result of of being a, a pregnant teenager with with no baby daddy. can explore all of those kinds of themes with Vocaloid, but it's not a real person that made an actual tangible mistake that, that we now have to say, oh my God, this person is, is problematic and, and do we continue to uh, support them and their art and things like that? And it, it, it just the, the reason I thought about that article is because a, a lot of the, the words and the points you were just making <laughs> in reference to idols are, are the exact same points from that article. Um, so, so this is something that's been talked about for for several years, if if not longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, we don't we don't have to worry about Hatsune Miku uh, making those those big mistakes. We don't have to worry about something like a, a problem with a contract, to, you know, yeah. Yeah. stopping Hatsune Miku from being able to to make music. Um, which I, I use that verbiage, but it's it's not Miku herself making music, right? I don't want to. I don't want to take that achievement away from the fans who who put all the hard work in to actually write the songs and the music and the lyrics and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but for for lack of a of a shorter term, we you know Hatsune Miku music. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I I think that there's there's a lot of value in having a a by definition incorruptible figure that that you can use for whatever music you want, and you don't have to worry about. Oh man, you know this person. I, I just found out that this person beat their ex-wife, and that's why they got a divorce. Oh, do I now have to? Should I stop listening to their music? Should I continue to listen to their music? Maybe feeling guilty about it, but I enjoy it. And and, and you never have to deal with those kinds of 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 thoughts and and conundrums and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of value in that. But on the on the other side of the coin, Hatsune Miku. Isn't a person. They're they're not a celebrity. Um Hatsune miku as herself cannot contribute directly to our society. Um, I'm I'm thinking in this case not about a singer, but I recently read an article uh by Daniel Radcliffe. He was responding to some comments that J.K. Rowling made uh about transgender people. And he was saying in this in this article, like, look, I'm not talking about Joanne, I'm not talking about uh, the books or anything, but just he—he he was saying that he himself um, believes that it's our responsibility as people to be kind to those other uh, those of us that that live in our society, regardless of sex, gender, or orientation, all those kinds of things. Um, now, I don't want to go on too big of a political tangent, but my point there is that we can appreciate the the humans that are celebrities, right? Having a, a an actual human being is not all bad. They, it, singers don't just make mistakes that end up in the tabloids. Right. And celebrities and and idols and people can be fantastic human beings, and they can they can bring a lot of hope and joy to people's lives in a way that that Vocaloid can't. To be perfectly honest, I mean there is not a person that we can point at and say that person speaks for hatsune miku so i i think there's a lot of a lot of good in in having that incorruptible image of hatsune miku as a character but i i think that we shouldn't discount by any stretch of the truth the the value of having a a real human that you can point at and say i i like this person and the art that they create
0: well i think there's i think that you can almost with Vocaloid, still have some semblance of that sort of allegiance to a particular artist in a way. If you have a preference for a particular producer uh, that uses Vocaloid, um, and it's funny you brought up the sort of the the problems of humans being shitty. Uh, so there's this one Vocaloid song that I I quite enjoyed that was apparently created by some uh youtuber um and i was like i was scrolling through the comments of this video and it was it wasn't uploaded by the original creator and all the 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 comments were like oh man rip the the you this was like a minecraft youtuber named i think einshine did like minecraft parodies but then also apparently dabbled in vocaloid or something i don't know the details um but then all the comments were like oh man uh, like about being about how einstein isn't here anymore and so i like googled it a little bit and uh essentially einstein ap- apparently did some shitty stuff or was accused of doing some shitty stuff i don't know what um but then totally fell off the face of the internet and just just stopped doing anything. So it made me think like, okay, if maybe it is still a problem to listen to this creator's music via Vocaloid. So it's, yeah, it's not Miku's scandal for sure. Um, but the the maybe the producer, or the artist that is, comes to prominence through Vocaloid can still have that scandal um, without having to dismiss Miku. Um, so like, again, you think of it as an instrument, like, uh, just because there's a an artist that is uh, known for using like I don't know like a some like Moog bass, um, that doesn't mean that you have to uh, cancel every artist that uses the Moog synthesizer bass. That's just that particular artist happened to use that instrument. I guess is a, is a way to think of it. But then again, Vocaloid is much more than just an instrument. It's it's it encompasses that that whole realm of of being an idol. Um, but then there's also, I found too that there's, um, these, and maybe Ellis you know more about this than I do, but the, there's these, uh, VY one and VY two vocaloid packs or sound packs or whatever they're called. The, the Yamaha packs. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they don't have a character aside associated with them that it's just um, or officially at least. And so it's just like these it's just the voices that don't have the the sort of personality. And so that that almost seems like there's from what I saw, it's like it it's done that way to give the community even more room to play with it. So like like in some sense it's it it almost seems to even f- further give the community that that room to play and like you don't even have the sort of miku image with the miku sound it's like literally it's just the voice and you can really do go whatever direction you want with it um which seems to further in my mind just further kind of complicate this notion of the idol and of of the the star the celebrity in general is like if you can like crowdsource celebrity or, or crowdsource an icon in any sense um and just have it almost be this sort of empty signifier that you just have it be whatever the fuck you want it to be i don't know it seems like a cool like form of democratization that sort of unravels the problems that come with elevating a a, a real human to the level of abstraction that is being an idol it's like you you get to have that level of abstraction but again you don't have to deal with
2: everything that comes with it i guess so so going back to the the vy series um so yeah the the vy series is the vocal yamaha series they are in some ways sort of a, a descendant of the uh the cv series um in that exactly like you said they they don't have a character associated with them they're just a voice um I, I think taking away that that image, uh, you know, this isn't a Hatsune Miku song. This is a VY user 17 song, you know,
1: but that's still giving it like a, a thing, though. Like if we're if we're taking away all personality of like anything, it'd just be like it's a vocaloid song. Right. right. As, but but
2: that's my point. It's, there's not like uh there's there's not a character on the other end that you can look at, you know. With with the CV series, you can you can really detach yourself from the creator, but with with the Vy series, it's just the creator. You know, do you do you like the music this person creates? Do you not like the music this person creates? And I think in that realm, um, you you start to move into um, you you sort of move into a realm where you're kind of in the middle of of having a a Vocaloid character and a real human idol that you can point to because at that point sure you're not it's not someone that you could necessarily go see in concert right but at the same time it's it's just a person who writes songs uh, no different than any other artist who writes songs the the only difference there is that taylor swift sings songs with her own voice and tommy what's his name or whatever that uses the vy series he just doesn't use his own voice, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's no different than if you were to say, hey, I wrote this song, but I don't know how to sing very well. Uh, you know, friend with a good voice, will you sing this song for me? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but then are we naturally going to be more like, oh, so this artist made it, like, pay attention to the artist. Because, I mean, that's not like the artist being the creator composer instead of being the actual vocalist of the song, which is what we focus on more now like who remembers I don't I don't know any like I don't know who produces Taylor Swift songs for example like I don't know who writes them but I know Taylor Swift sings them is then like if you take away since the vocals don't have a specific voice and we're sing- thinking of it as an instrument such as like a violin or a cello or something do we focus more on like the composer such as like with Mozart or with Bach
2: to be honest me personally I would say yes. If there was not a a character on the other end of it, right? I would definitely be more focused on oh hey, this is a Sam Free song versus a Supercell song. Mm. Sam just so that you guys know Sam Free is the person that wrote Luca Luca Night Fever uh, uh and uh Sam Free passed away a few years ago. Um huh. which is sad cuz uh. Sam Free is Sam Free made great music, um, but then Supercell made World is Mine and several other songs as well that I really enjoy. But so, like, I know that those are those are the two names of the creators, um, but I don't really think of them necessarily as Supercell and Sam Free songs. I think of them as World is Mine is a Hatsune Miku song. Oh, hey, it happened to be written by Supercell. And Luka Luka Night Fever is a Luka song that happens to be written by Sam Free. Um, but I think when you, like I said, me personally, I, I think if we were to take away those characters and not have Miku and Luca to latch onto anymore, I I genuinely think that I personally would be more interested in in who the artist was, and I would look for more music that was specifically written by Supercell or Samfrey before I would just kind of abstractly look for, uh, you know. I want to hear more Vy2 music or more uh, Cyber Diva music or anything like that. Um, Cyber Diva is kind of the unofficial Vy3, just so you guys know. Okay. Um, but but so so I think the answer the answer to the question is is yes, we would focus more on the the producer and the songwriter and thing like that um, if there mm-hmm. was no character. Mm-hmm. At, at least me personally, I know I would.
1: I was going back to thinking about, like, personalities and, like, the lack... Like, there's kind of... There is personalities there. They they obviously are created by the fandom, but, like, there the lack of not being able to create your own in a way... I know I've said it a few times now, like, the reason why I like seiyus or reason I like idols is that you can find out more about their backstory, like, where they came from, or, like, their own personal opinions of sorts, um, and, like, get to see their true nature, maybe, that they hide behind the mask of who they are as an idol... And without ha- being able to do that, because like everything's just face value with the Vocaloids in general, I think there's a part of, like I think that's part of the uninterest for me too. Is that I can't just like feel like I'm unraveling.
2: There will never be a "Where Are They Now" for Hatsune Miku. That is mm-hmm. very true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And and that that kind of goes back to back to what I was saying earlier when when I brought up Dan Radcliffe. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of a lot of benefit for us as fans to really have a person to, to latch onto and be interested in. And we can really use, um, you know, an actual human being as kind of a a guide for other things. Um, For example, there is a series uh, on Hulu that I watched and, Oh, I cannot remember the name of it, but Reading the description, I would not have been interested in it at all, except that the premise was that Dan Radcliffe is an angel working for Steve Buscemi as God, who has decided to just shut down Earth and replace it with a restaurant in space. And I would never have watched that show, except for the fact that I'm a huge fan of Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi. So... So you do lose that kind of, of connection to, to the person on, on the other end of your, your fandom, right?
1: I want to put in the argument, though, of, like, cre- characters that are fully created by a an author, though, compared to, like, the Vocaloids, where the fandom has so much control over who they are. Whereas, like, if you look at any anime idols, obviously I'm going to go back to Love Live because that's the easiest, but, like, take Katori for ex- example, right? Like Katori's completely made by a person like she's also not real like Vocaloids but because she's not created by the fandom as much like the author can then use her as a podium to speak their own like two cents about something I guess. Mm.
2: Though though I I think you could make the argument that Vocaloid are are an equally valid way for someone to express their own views or ideas or whatever um
1: yeah but it would not go more towards the majority though what do you mean like i mean what if two people argue about what they like the not two people but like the fandom itself argues about something such as like the Rin and len thing right like them being siblings them being twins or whatever like if if the canon thing wasn't that they were two sides of the same coin that you could like literally say anything like um whatever you want them to be they are but like the fan, I assume that the fandom sometimes pushes against each other of what they perceive as canon, like the fandom canon versus like canon canon.
2: I, I think you get that in any fandom, though, to be perfectly honest, the the Vocaloid fandom, at least the the parts of the fandom that that I enjoy and consume um, are all very understanding of, of the fact that the only canon is head canon with vocaloid. So even if you you go and you listen to a song that someone else has written and they have say Miku and Kaito are lovers in this song, you as someone who is Miku Luka forever, you can you can still listen to that song and enjoy that song and and look at Miku and Kaito in that context and say wow, this is an enjoyable song that I like listening to.
1: Or I try and find a replacement
2: voice or, for Kaito, or, right? Or you can tr- go and try and find another version <laughs> of the song where someone replaced Kaito with Luca, exactly. Um, but so, so my point is that the the fandom doesn't really have a lot of room to argue with each other, right? You can't say like, "Oh yeah," um, take uh, I, I just recently rewatched Avatar: The Last Airbender. You can't really argue about katara ending up with ang versus ending up with zuko and which one was the better outcome and look at all of these examples from the show about why she should have ended up with a or b or a or z in this case
3: <laughs>
2: you thank you thank you uh you, you really don't have that kind of canon material to go back to and and get upset with someone else for for having a different idea than you
0: mm-hmm uh, I would. I kind of want to also push back slightly on the need for well, not need, but the the enjoyment of of narrative in music. I guess of human narrative. Like, I and it, this is again me me personally. I know definitely people have, do not agree with this perspective whatsoever. But I very much don't care about the person behind the name of the artist. Like, take Gorillaz, for example. Like, I like gorilla's music well enough, but I really don't care at all about the characters. Um, like, I just like the music. I really don't want to see a character behind the music at all. Like, there's definitely something to seeing and recognizing an artist and being like, oh, I know them and I like their style and I, I can't wait to see where they go with this next album or with this next single for sure. And a lot of times that takes the form of a human face. Um, for example, if you're into future funk at all, um, you'll know that the, the face of Young Bae is, is kind of uh, unique in that it is a human face very human face for an artist in a very online internet genre that is usually pretty anonymous um, beyond beyond the name of the artist. Um, but Young Bay is very much like his branding is his fa- his human face, and he's like performed live, and that's a big part of like his music videos and stuff. Um, but he's an exception to the rule, and that might be changing a little bit. Um, but the point is that even then, even when you're seeing that human face, it's this. It's very much this sort of abstraction when young bay puts his face on an album cover um it's it's not young bay the human being it's it's young bay as 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 this abstraction same sort of thing thinking of of human idols in a way um like we we talked about perfect blue a while ago um the image of the idol being very different than the than the human that backs it up and um from from my perspective i don't want to. No, the scene of the music. People love to learn about the scene of music like, oh, um in like the these are the artists that used to hang out together at these particular locations. No, eviscerate that. Get that out of my 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 music enjoyment. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. All I want is is this this very very clean, abstracted name maybe of an artist and maybe some sort of image to go with them. And and the music they create. I don't want backstory. I just want their. I just want their music. So I just wanted to add that perspective as someone that that doesn't like um, sort of messy human narrative in the creation of music necessarily. Or at least that's not. I don't get enjoyment out of when it personally.
1: you like to analyze the actual thing instead of understanding who it came from and maybe why they put it in.
0: Yeah, I think I'm. I'm much more personally, again, focused on uh, sort of my reception as a listener. So in sort of uh, linguistic theory, you can think very basically about a, you're talking about a writer, Um, there's sort of this triad of there's the writer and uh, the work they produce, and then the reader. So there's this sort of three pronged thing that is part of this text. And so a lot of literary Study used to be about the writer, and you have to know the writer to figure out what the the text is about, um, because obviously they're the one who wrote it. So you have to be able to know them to figure out the text. But in postmodern thought and kind of reevaluating uh, what what this um, and actually structuralist thought as well is like, what is the actual material consequence of the text? Uh, a lot of it has come down to the you've probably heard this quote death of the author um essentially the author doesn't matter as much or at all uh relative to how the reader um and in the case of music i'm saying the listener how they respond to the music um that's where the real consequence the weight of the text is 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 at the point where it is uh taken in rather than produced and i'm not i'm not saying that My opinion is justified because it has this because Michel Foucault backs it up. But um, I'm just saying that that's that's where I'm coming from aesthetically. There's
1: no way I'd let literary theory and real, I don't know, real actual sources ever dictate how I like things.
0: Oh yeah, I'm just saying it's also applicable to music here.
1: I agree. I can see how you come from that. I just I don't know. It's it's definitely not how I like to take material like media i mean i don't do that as much with books i don't think or with movies as much but it's just nice to get to know them in a way that like is beyond even just the source material especially if you see like at least with say like if you see them in a lot of different shows and like watching how they control their voice in different ways and seeing those different sides of themselves it's just mm, the best anyway on another topic for vocaloid though um, one of the things that we kind of touched on a long time ago were concerts, and I think it is actually pretty amazing to me that there are such thing as Vocaloid concerts, and that, like, people all get together and they treat it like a real idol concert with the glow sticks and everything, and they know the chants, and, like, watching at least some that you can find on YouTube, like, it looks pretty dang good for a, like, a concert about 3d created characters Mm -hmm. but they also i thought i saw a on anime's anime news network that said there's actually these like little um machines that you can go into in japan and like put on a vr headset and like watch your own personalized miku concert Mm
3: -hmm. and so
1: i think it'd be interesting to discuss maybe even like the future of vocaloid with within the context of like VR becoming a real thing now or like any other sorts of, like with um what's it called when it's like like Google glasses sort of thing what's that called
2: again augmented reality
1: yeah like with VR and augmented reality coming out and like where where do you even think where vocaloid might go from there like how blurred are, is the is vocaloid like not being real to being real going to truly be eventually
2: Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to me that you brought up uh, augmented reality, um, because that's actually what Vocaloid concerts are—they're they're AR concerts. And the way that they typically work is there's a sort of projection, almost like a hologram, of the characters that that come out on stage and they they sing and dance to the songs that get played. Now, oftentimes they actually have a live band. That that performs the the instrumental part of the music, and then they they layer the uh, the vocal track over top of that. and And Vocaloid concerts are are a very real thing that people pay a lot of money to go see. I admit I was very disappointed when Miku came to the U.S. a few years ago, and I was not able to go.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Um, I yeah, it was it was a sad day for me when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to make it out to that. Um, will come again. But after I, I sure COVID. Hope so.
1: uh,
3: <laughs>
2: but not uh not for
1: her concern, but you know the audience. Right, right,
0: yes.
2: <laughs> Another benefit of virtual idols. Um But I've I've watched like I, I've I've watched concert videos of, of Vocaloid and uh I've I've also seen other other videos and movies of of japanese idol concerts um
1: you've been one. i was just gonna
2: say Fayan and i <laughs> went to uh, a concert while we were in japan together um
1: that's a funny story
2: and <laughs> that, is a, that is a really fun story but uh so the the vocaloid concerts i mean the fans do the the same things i mean they they still get glow sticks just like they do when they go to an idol concert they still color them to whatever character is singing. So, so Miku is is like a light blue. The the twins are kind of an orangey yellow. Mako's um, like a like a red. Luca's a, a purple. It's it's a very real experience for the fans to go to these concerts. But for the fans, I mean, it's just a concert. Yeah. <laughs> Same mm-hmm. as any other.
1: Is it so? They still have like banter too in the middle of their concerts. Between like characters, then,
2: so a lot of the videos that I've seen of concerts kind of cut out the space between the songs um, mm-hmm. the the couple that I've seen that don't typically there's there's not usually like banter between the characters, if that's what you're asking um yeah. but typically they'll they'll have like. Like Miku will appear on screen and she'll say like, hey, are you guys excited? I'm so happy to be here. And I, I can't wait for you to listen to me sing and all those kinds of things. And, and please support me. And, and she talks to the fans.
1: More so than like them talking to each other. Well, I guess they're not like a full right. group. What about Rin and Len though? Because they're kind of a pair, right?
2: Um, they probably more often do have a little bit of, of banter between them. Um, but so there's, there's an intrinsic problem in in adding banter to a vocaloid concert like that and and that problem is that you well no the the voice isn't at all a problem um especially not with the technological advancements but Hmm. no the bigger problem is you don't know what the fans head cannons are Uh, right and you don't want to get in the way of any of that so you can't have Rin come out on stage and be like hey my brother and I are going to sing you a song because <laughs> now everyone who thinks of them as a couple is like whoa that's real weird that's kind of creepy <laughs> so so there's some difficulty with having the characters actually talk to each other in a live concert because you have to kind of choose on a personality and relationship and, and rapport between them that the fans may not necessarily have in their own head um, yeah
1: that's a really good point
2: but, you know, any idol, it, you could pick a random idol out of the hat and they're going to come out on stage and they're going to say, hey, I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait to sing for you guys. You know, please cheer me on. That kind of thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, a lot of a lot of that kind of talking to the fans banter is much more scripted. And and I think that's a lot of the reason that there's there's not a lot of banter uh, yeah. between the characters. Um, but. But even without that, I mean, the concerts are, are as real to the fans as any other concert. And, and also, I, I would argue, in some ways, a Vocaloid concert could be even more enjoyable than an in-person concert. Because if you're sitting in the far back row of a real concert you've got a little person the size of your thumbnail dancing over there. But when you go to a Miku concert and there is a 26 foot tall Miku dancing on stage, <laughs> everyone can see her just fine. <laughs> I,
0: It's funny. You said that the, you, you bring up the, the 26 foot tall Miku. Cause that immediately makes me think of the Travis Scott Fortnite concert where he's, he's, I, I, I haven't seen it. Um, not really a Travis Scott fan, but He's like, he's basically a, a giant um, in the Fortnite game. And people like, you had to log into some certain server or whatever. And then he's just this giant, it's this giant figure of Travis Scott, like having his concert in the game itself. Um, and so it also, hmm. that that virtual element. So in that way, like Travis Scott, like, I think it was, I don't know if he, rec- if they recorded him doing it or if they somehow mapped it, they had him some sort of VR thing where he was actually like mapped to his avatar. I don't know how it worked, but, uh, that, that the, the specifically virtual component of it got around a lot of just like the material problems Mm -hmm. of being at a regular concert. And that I think brings us back around to the discussion of VR in general too. Um, you don't have to leave the comfort of your home. It's really pretty effortless as as long as you have the VR headset, which is getting better and better each year and more, arguably more affordable. You can log in, you can, and and just go to the go to a virtual concert. You don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to worry about drunk drivers. You don't have to deal with real people, um, and you can like leave whenever you want. Um, super convenient and if like you're thinking about like what's what's the point of of a concert i mean getting getting together with your friends and and enjoying music together and and again if what you're into is is the image of the artist themselves you can still get that it's not the same as being in the same physical room as that person but then again how much does that physical proximity really matter it's not like Unless you get, like, some fancy, like, backstage passes or whatever. It's really not not a whole lot different.
1: But, okay, then, like you said, like, it's your own self in your own home, like, enjoying the thing. But you also mentioned, like, not going with friends. But even if they're, you're not, like, fully friends with them, there's something magical about being in a room with hundreds of other people all enjoying the same thing at the same time. Which, like, I mean, at the pile concert we went to... Just being in the room itself, not even having the glow sticks or anything, like, is still amazing. And I don't think you get that when you're just watching it on your own. Like, even That's in the lounge watching it on a recording, like, on a screen with five other people that I forced to be there, <laughs> wasn't the same as being in a room with hundreds of other people all wanting to be there <laughs> i guess there there's a significant difference but like i don't know one of the most magical moments too like you said maybe it's not like the vicinity part my favorite moment though during that concert was when pile put down her mic and literally screamed at everybody thank you and you like you could hear it ring through the entire auditorium and like you don't get that over vr like it would still sound like a recording or they would have to fix that with a mic but like purely hearing her voice with my ears i mean it sent a rush through me but at the same time like it's something that you don't experience through virtual reality in any sense
2: that's fair that's a yeah there there is definitely a lot of a lot of uh enjoyable aspects of a concert that that you really only get being physically there um like being able to to hear pile just project her voice through the audience oh
1: my god it gave me shivers um, but then
2: also there are things like interacting i mean just interacting with the audience in general um like mm-hmm. double you takes know, <laughs> du- right double takes with with the random six foot tall white guy in the corner of your concert yeah um that wasn't there, that it. Wasn't there for the first <laughs> half yes <Aww. laughs> Yeah, so, so you really, in a, in a virtual concert like that, um, unless you are in a space like VR chat, right, where, where all of the other people in the, the VR concert are actual other humans that are logged into the same concert that you are, um, dis- disregarding something like that, you really can't interact directly with the, the performer. And, I mean, you really can't interact directly with the performer at all. At a Vocaloid concert, it's it's a, a pre-animated <laughs> performance, um, and and they could probably do something like having uh, some some motion capture stuff. There might be some, you know, the man behind the curtain that could press a button, press a button, or or could be doing like I said, like maybe some motion capture things that could change mm-hmm. some of the the hand movements and things like that. But but there's a lot of Organic enjoyment of being at a concert, uh, that, that yeah, some some of that you just can't get as much of in in VR, um, or even at a Vocaloid concert as you could at a at a human performer concert.
1: I want to also because you said like the performers right, interacting with the performers, which I also forgot to mention a lot I think before when talking about Idol concerts. But the performers do pay attention to the audience as well, like. I think that there is so much of a difference between them performing in front of people and not in front of people, and how much excitement they also get from knowing there's hundreds of people watching them and enjoying their content. One of the more negative viewpoints of it, or like how idols were affected at one point, I was reading an article about Aqua's concert in Singapore, and although I'm not a huge fan of them, I still... It's sad as someone who likes idol concerts, at least that the Singapore audience refused to do the special light show that they like the audience does so like they have a song i think it's called rainbow train or something and so during one of the i think it's kana's part the entire audience like both left and right sides make railroad tracks essentially and like there it's pretty much this huge light show that the audience actually performs back towards the performers and because that didn't happen they were almost like the performers were almost thrown off of like their cue or not like cue but like how to react to not having this kind of interaction with the crowd that they're very used to there's a one random dance play that even iris does about promoting their fifth live and they like play song after song after song which is super tiring but if you watch them in concert like the excitement and the pure joy of having the crowd cheering them on like, keeps them excited throughout the entire performance to keep trying their hardest. Whereas in this random play, like, when they're tired, they're like, you know, I'm just going to kind of derp around and, like, here, I'll give you a massage and, like, all these other things which are adorable. But there really is this interaction between the audience and the performer that's just very magical in a way that you wouldn't get, I don't think, necessarily through, like, technology.
0: When I was picturing, when I was talking about doing a VR concert, I was picturing it in something like VR chat, where you are in a server with tons of other people. And then you, you're at this virtual venue that is, it has still these like spatial qualities to it. You're still seeing someone on a stage. And I feel like in that context, you could still have something, you could still have that sort of audience performer interaction. If that is the real quote, real performer, like wearing vr or or however the fuck they do it um and that they're actually seeing their audience in real time and having that interaction and in fact there's a lot of ways that you could kind of play with that too like oh we're gonna have like i don't know like let's say you want to do some like rainbow whatever it was (laughs) rainbow thing with the audience then you could have them all like like each like one sixth of the audience members are in different colors or whatever so then they're all like like colors of the rainbow or whatever. Like you could even have like their their avatars change with the music and almost have it like the audience is not just using their bodies to participate, but their their quote virtual bodies are interacting with the, the uh performer. And of course there's still room there. It's not just like the audience becomes like light bulbs essentially, but you could still have room there for the audience to like have them still be their own unique individual. Like someone logs into the server and instead of conforming to the sort of the the rainbow color scheme, it's like a guy with like a it's like a lizard man who's like eight feet tall and he walks in the venue and then you double take at the lizard man. So you're like, wait, you're not I didn't expect you to be here. But you know it's just another audience member there for the show. Obviously no any references to actual people is is purely coincidental
2: there so be a lot of fun i i would enjoy a concert like that me personally i'm sure that a lot of people wouldn't but me personally i I think that could be a lot of fun
1: are you implying i sorry i was trying to understand how you were implying of the light show like that it was they weren't in control of themselves choosing their colors or like it was like pre-programmed like a disney
0: show well it could be either one, really. Um, but I'm the way I'm picturing it right now is you're, you, as an audience member, you still have the choice. Like you can come in as your own avatar if you want to. Or if you're a super fan of this idol or this band or whatever, you know that for this particular song, you do this sort of audience routine thing. And on one of those things, if you you have this particular item or you're this particular avatar whatever then you can if you want to participate in this audience thing and and just like in a real concert that we've seen like you watch the the idols in in person the vast majority of the crowd is participating and they are following these sort of cues i would imagine you could do the same thing in vr chat
3: Mm
1: -hmm. i just don't like the idea of pre-programming it because like i think it's more organic when it's like them when the crowd does it themselves. And mm-hmm. I think it feels more. I don't know. You feel like you're more part of the show. When you're doing it yourself too. Like the snow halation. Changed from white to orange. I know we like emulated that. In the lounge at one point And like it felt magical. Don't get me wrong. But like. <laughs> it was so cool. I broke the stick at the perfect time. It's fine. Um, But like to think that someone. Emulated that instead. Like had control over people. To change the color. If people were just like kind of lazy. Is just mind-boggling to me, I guess. It, like, takes away the authenticity of the crowd actually enjoying the idols on stage, in my opinion. But maybe I'm just a try-hard idol enthusiast. Is there anything else that you wanted to hit, Elastor, about Vocaloid to share your knowledge a little bit more?
2: Nothing in particular that that we haven't already talked about.
1: Hey, okay. Well, you know what time it is then, don't you,
0: Dodo? Oh, man. It is time for our Punishment game
3: what
0: oh the story I don't know if you're aware of this but we um, came into this this podcast project knowing that we would probably we tried to our our, our to stick to a topic per episode but we knew necessarily that we would end up tangenting and sure enough it's happened um so we we in we instituted this sort of safeguard to make sure that we are not that we were trying to stay on focus. So between the two of us, we said whoever goes on the worst tangent this episode, then the, then that person has to play a punishment game at the end. Um, but of course, when we have a guest on, you are tacitly com- uh, uh, participating in that as well. It was you. Um, yeah. Done. So we're, we're, we're basically ambushing you right now. <laughs> um, to be
1: fair, you did tangent a bit.
0: You did. I did. Didn't I it? I fully yeah. admit that. Once once you started talking about Billy Ray Cyrus, I knew we had you. Um, <laughs> it's good content, though. It's good content. So so uh, we actually both prepared something for this, hoping to to catch you in our net.
1: So the two punishment games that have shown up on the show already, Elastora, are one we take a song that you know and put it through Google Translate, read you the lyrics. From Google Translate, and you have to try and guess what show this oh op- this song is. It just openings or songs in I'm, general.
0: I'm just sticking with openings. Okay,
1: what show this opening is from?
0: And it's one you've seen.
1: It's one you've seen. Um, another punishment that we've done is we read a review off of a show you've seen, and you have to be compl- complacent and agree with everything the review says about that show. Usually, a show that you really love. But I'm also been thinking about choosing shows that people don't love, at the same time, and forcing them to agree with a wonderfully written review about how great the show is. So you can have that to look forward to, also.
0: Yeah, that one's much more punishing than than Google yeah, Translate Super really Idol. But well, I'm excited either
2: way. I think this will be fun.
0: Well, are are you ready for your first your first punishment? I am. Okay. So again, this is this is an opening from a show that you have seen.
3: <clears throat>
0: Everything is jealous. It's the adult who is cheating. Promise me. Which mouth are you talking about? Show me a model. Sympathy, sympathy. No need. I say it's for you. I'll ask if it's true, but what's the rest? Try it. I decide. If you spoil it, I don't understand your head. More to be valued. The girl will be obedient. I want to be cute. Wait for me lonely. I don't notice it. Stop playing around. I love to stick with a prank. Come out. Friendship. To Al Al Even if you don't see me, you're good friends. My friends are naturally decided. What's going on? Give me my own shelf. Be kind to everyone. I have to do it exactly. Well then, for me, try to be n princess. Look, let's be quick and tight. U- Ureshimon. Try to be an princess. Be gentle, only me. More to be valued. The girl will be obedient. I want to be cute. I'm sorry. What show is that opening from? I have no idea.
2: I'm guessing I have to make a guess?
0: Yeah. Uh, yes. You have to take one guess in the dark, then I'll give you a hint, and then you get one more guess. How's that? Okay.
2: Um, I don't know. I'm going to guess Nisekoi? No, good guess though. So. Um,
0: okay, let's see. What's a good hint? I can hint him. Yeah, give. Go ahead. Wait,
1: I don't know. I have a more personal hint, more than like a an actual show hint. It was one of the first series that we really talked about when we first met Elastora.
2: One of the first series we talked about.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: As a secondary hint, is that I think I've I've watched one. An episode, and I expressed to you I wanted to watch more of it, but never did. Really? Yeah.
1: I need to watch season two still. I mean, I've seen it's it. It's
0: the second season.
1: Yeah, there's like, or at least there's OVAs. I found this one scene from this one episode that I like really wanted to find, but I couldn't find it again. Well, I couldn't find the episodes because it was back in the day when not as much anime was on YouTube, or it was easily mm-hmm. copywritten.
0: So you just got like three, three three-ish hints there.
1: I don't think he knew that last one.
2: Yeah, fair enough. I don't remember the shows we used to talk about.
1: It was the one that like really was a standout defining moment that I knew that we could be friends.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Wait for me lonely. I don't notice it. Stop playing around. I love to stick with a prank. Come out. Is it Toradora? Uh, uh,
2: uh. No. It is Kodomoto G-Con. Oh, wow. I haven't thought about that show in in a long time. Wow. not gonna get that i should rewatch that that was good
0: (laughs) there weren't too many too many (laughs) hints in the opening i guess but
1: no there really wasn't on that one i just remember talking about that show at length at the cafeteria table the first time i really i I do remember
2: that now now that you mention it i do remember that yeah i was
1: like this man watched kodomono jinkan like he's a bro
0: <laughs> Your turn, Fayon. And these are expert reviews, by the these way. These
1: are expert reviews. Of
2: course they are.
0: <laughs> so they know more than you about what mm-hmm. they're talking about. All
1: case. you've got to do is agree. Okay, cool. I highlighted a few parts because I didn't want to go too long on this, but this is a review by KKKKKG from <laughs> on my anime list, writing a review about Clonod.
2: I knew you were going to say that. I'm going to hate this. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be awful.
1: It's fine. It's fine. To begin with, he said, the characters themselves have predictably generic personalities. Um, They all conform to a generic archetype that can be readily identified within about 20 seconds of their introduction. There's the moronically childish-like girl, aka green-haired girl. The shy girl. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's what it actually says. The shy girl, a.k.a. one-half of the purple-haired twins. The sundette girl, a.k.a. the other half of the purple-haired twins. <laughs> I like how they don't even get their names. Etc. etc. Again, I was surprised to see the roster missing a ditzy girl. Maybe the writers deliberately missed out, on, out in order to prevent the whole thing from becoming even more painfully transparent. It also soon became obvious that... Though all the girls show interest in the protagonist, for the purpose of this playthrough, er, I mean, storyline, the player, I mean protagonist, has targeted the generically generically sweet girl, aka brown-haired girl, to woo. Oh, okay. So, talking about the main character, in practice, he more closely resembles some subhuman creature roughly on the level of a worm, and is suitably treated like one too. Most of the girls treat him with disdain, and none of them- are interested in him in the slightest. To be fair, the main character himself isn't quite your average harem lead, and for this reason I have decided to give him the courtesy of actually using his name in this review. He's called Akazaki Tomoya. What makes Tomoya different from the typical harem lead is that, although he's a bit of a good-for-nothing, he at least possesses more charisma and confidence than the typical loser-but-nice stereotype lead that's recycled through most harems. And so you can at least kind of get why he's able to attract a harem, especially when displayed next to the worm light. Oh, they're saying the worm-like lowlife is the side character best friend. Got it.
2: Oh yes, yeah. is a worm. I I will happily agree. <laughs> to
1: that. But you also agree that all the girls are stereotypically generic and no way very interesting. Uh,
2: yes, I I agree. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, another part that I thought was interesting was the line. I bristle at the sight of the slice of life tag attached to this show because it's complete- it completely sacrifices any sort of realism associated with the genre in favor of trying to force more emotions out of the viewer with unbelievably melodramatic storylines. The tragic stories from the various characters past feel so contrived that at times it seems like a comp- like a competition to see which one of them can be the most ridiculous. It's a competition won by the blue-haired girl's backstory involving a teddy bear. The punchline to the story proved so moving, it had everyone at my anime society showing, bursting into tears. Tears of laughter. (laughs) Do you agree that (laughs) it was so moving (laughs) that it was funny? (laughs) Or that they were all apparently competing for tragic storylines that all were kind of stupid?
2: Yes, the- these stories were ridiculous, and Kotomi's backstory arc was- was comical. I, I agree. This pains me in my soul.
1: Here's the ending part. Because watching the whole thing by myself would have been an ordeal more- more harrowing than any other- any of the forced drama the show could have conjured up, during the weeks when I couldn't attend the society showing and had to catch up on the show myself, It literally took me two or three sittings to grind through each episode because I couldn't stomach more than a few minutes of clonade at a time. (laughs) (laughs) And no wonder. With its sickly sweet stench of moe, ludicrously contrived stories, and an array of cardboard template cutouts masquerading as female characters, just what is there to like for someone who's not into moe or extremely sappy melodramas? Personal rating, negative two. Do you agree that this is a sickly sweet moe with ludicrous stories and cardboard or cookie cutter characters, Elastora?
2: I agree. Negative two out of ten. <laughs> wow, that's weird. I thought he liked that one more. I
1: know, right? I thought, I thought he used to watch it every single year to celebrate <laughs> <the> amazing <laughs> how amazing the show is. If it makes you feel better, I couldn't find a really bad review on afterstory, but that was only because my animal list wasn't working.
2: <laughs>
1: and I thought I'd save you some of the agony.
2: I appreciate
0: that. Well, we do appreciate you coming on, sharing your um your vocaloid knowledge and, and your passion in general. I think it's definitely would not be the same conversation without your insights, so much appreciated
3: definitely
1: we hope you had some fun
2: yeah I really enjoyed uh joining you guys this has been a lot of fun um, everything up until I had to to rate my favorite anime negative two out of 10 that <laughs> that wasn't enjoyable but the rest of it has been great
0: yeah that's why we do it at the end <laughs>
1: yep that's why I tell, told you I didn't want to do this one first
0: <laughs> yeah well there's there's probably a good chance. Listeners, that you'll hear elastora again in a
2: future episode. I know. I sure hope so.
1: <laughs> if he decides to come back after this, <laughs> <laughs> knowing the punishment that comes after being a guest on our show, I don't know why we phrase it like that. Like we should have just told him he was the most tangenty one of all of us. I don't think we should tell the guests that they're gonna be punished no matter what.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I will. I will police myself better next time.
1: <laughs> don't worry. No matter what, you're still going to have the highest <laughs> tangent, right? <laughs> I think your only safety would be if you came with somebody else on the show.
2: Fair enough.
0: And someone who doesn't know better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Fan, you want to wrap this up?
1: Thank you again for listening to this week's episode of Applied Anime, focusing on Vocaloid. We want to hear what Vocaloid songs you guys like best and why. Please tell us on anchor.fm slash applied dash anime or on our website at appliedanime.weebly.com or you can join our discord that's on the homepage or you can tweet us back at twitter.com/appliedanime in next week's episode we're going to talk about short ridiculous anime series this is
0: faon and dodo valley signing off
3: One more chance.